Hey, Liz. Hey, Kat. Hey, Kat, what would be almost as fun as recording a podcast together? Well, I think it's almost even more fun, but I guess that's debatable. (laughs) Doing one-on-one coaching with you, Liz. Co-coaching together has been one of my favorite aspects of doing this podcast with you. Totally. So guess what? We're going to do it. We are going to offer career coaching sessions to our listeners, but not have it be recorded. So we're going to offer one-on-one sessions at a really good deal. And we started the podcast with the goal of helping people who are stuck with something career-related. And if we can help through the podcast, that's awesome. But if one-on-one coaching is more someone's speed. So we have decided to offer a intro special. Yes, we have an introductory special of $100 an hour, which if you're a big math whiz like me is less than either of us would charge individually. So you are saving over 50% and you get two for less than the price of one, which is awesome. And in this kind of session, you don't have to worry about your boss hearing it or your friend hearing it or anything else. It's absolutely confidential, Mm -hmm. just like any Mm -hmm. career coaching session, but you get the Liz and Cat experience in a one-on-one session for $100. So if this sounds interesting to you, shoot us an email at realjobtalk at gmail.com and we'll be happy to schedule a call and do some one-on-one work with you. Can't wait. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Real Job Talk, the podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. I'm Kat Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. Hello, Kat. Hey, Liz. So we've been putting together a list of episodes that we hope will help people through the recruiting and interview process. And while we touched on today's topic in an earlier episode, we wanted to make sure that people had everything in one place. So today we're going to talk about the world of recruiters, all of the different types, and what you should know about each. And if I had to do an overall lesson for this episode, it would be to just know who you're talking to, what their motivations are, and how much you can expect from them. Now, of course, this is all nuance, but that's our general goal. So let's have at it. So our first recruiter type is retained. And they're usually called retained search consultants or retained recruiters. Mm -hmm. And these are the people who are given money up front to complete a search. Mm -hmm. They're often used for executive level positions. And the expectation is that they are experts in their area of search very well connected in the marketplace, and able to deliver good results. So what you should know about these people is that they are kind of the top echelon, if you will. They're the ones who wear suits to work generally, and their fees are usually 25 to 40%. Yes, you heard me right. 25 to 40% of the first year's compensation, plus search fees sometimes. And sometimes that percentage is base and sometimes it's total cash. So you can talk a ton of money here. And how they're paid is they're paid a retainer, hence retain search, at the beginning, and then some at the middle and some at the end of the search. Usually it's 25% at the beginning, 25% in the middle, and 50% upon completion. So retained search is most definitely about quality over quantity, Mm -hmm. and expertise. Mm -hmm. 
If one calls you, expect them to know what they're talking about and to have an exclusive relationship with the hiring manager. They should be thorough and able to answer most of your questions. For sure. And now, Kat, you and I have each done retained searches in the past Mm -hmm. in our areas of expertise. And I think this is not a quantity game. This is a, we've searched the market, we searched the land and found you the top three people available. Mm-hmm. Um, something to know about retained search is that they often have hands-off lists. So they work with different companies that they then can't recruit from. So as a hiring manager, something good to know is if you're dying to recruit from Oracle, you need to ask the retained search, who do you have hands-off lists? And if Mm -hmm. they say Oracle, they're not the right ones for you. But generally, if they're calling you, that's not your concern of who they're hands-off with and who they're not. Anything else people should know about them? They're usually very good at what they do, Mm -hmm. very professional, Mm -hmm. and consistently deliver results. Yep. And they will be in good touch with you. Like this is, they give you the white glove treatment for the most part where they're calling, they're following up it because they don't usually have a ton of different roles on their desk. They're only working on a few. They can really go deep and thorough with their searches. So it's a different treatment than you may get from one of the other types of recruiters because, you know, a an in-house recruiter, which we'll talk about later, may have 50 to 75 people on their desk at once. A retained search firm, they may have 10 people that they're talking to at once. So it's just a different volume and therefore a different level of service. So on to our favorite. Speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. (laughs) So contingent search firms are only paid when they fill a job. And some of their employees are 100% commission which means they get no base salary and they only get paid if they get a fill and then they get a percentage, usually 12 to 25% of the base salary. So when they don't fill a job, they don't pay their mortgage. It's a high risk, potentially high reward game. And there are some amazing contingent search Mm -hmm. people and firms out there but they usually don't have exclusivity. So sometimes there'll be three to five firms working on the same job for the same company, trying to get the first or best candidate in there with their name on it versus someone else's. I started my career Mm -hmm. on a contingent desk and I, I did get a small draw which went against the commission that I earned. Mm -hmm. So never did the company pay me money that I didn't close that I didn't earn. Mm-hmm. It was my first job out of school and it was almost like boot camp for me. And what it did for me was it made me very comfortable picking up the phone mm-hmm. to reach out to both candidates and clients. Mm-hmm. And it ended up not being my favorite way to recruit because of that compensation piece. Mm-hmm. I always preferred to know that my base was covered. And sure, if I made bonuses based on Based on my production, I was obviously open to that, but I preferred to earn an hourly or to earn a salary. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of really good contingent recruiters out there. Mm -hmm. And there are people that may not have any experience at all, just like I was Mm -hmm. when I first started a desk. I was Mm -hmm. fortunate to work with some real pros who took me under their wing and really showed me how to do it well and to do it right. Mm -hmm. But I think that 
sometimes recruiters get a bad reputation or there can be some questions around reputation. And most generally that, in in my experience, most of those fall into the contingent area because there isn't like a standardized training. There certainly are certifications that people can get, but people can be hired off the street. Mm -hmm. And it's different working with someone brand new than someone who maybe has 10, 15, 20 years experience. Well, in contingent search, you don't get uh, rewarded for candidate experience, right? You get mm-hmm. rewarded to get them in fast, as fast as possible and have dibs on that candidate. And so if you're in the speed game, spending time turning people down and doing all the niceties, it is time that you're not out there hunting for the person who's going to get the job, who's going to get paid. So mm-hmm. it's the nature of the beast that creates the monster. It's not that they are terrible people or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I think that, and there's a huge movement out there in the HR world to get rid of contingent search. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because of the way it's set up is not in a candidate's favor. If I'm going to get paid, if you get the job, I know you're fit, but you're telling me, oh, I don't want to work that much or something like that. Do I say, oh, well, actually, you're going to be overworked at this job? No, I might not. Why? Oh. Because I need to pay my bills and you. I know you're going to probably get the job if you interview. So it's just a yucky. I know you're saying that as an illustration, Liz, but I also mm-hmm. have worked with you and I know that you would never push a candidate through if you know it wasn't a good fit because of your background and because of who you are. I would not do that. Mm-hmm. But I also understand someone who the motivations to have to, you know, pay your mortgage, et cetera. Yeah, I totally get that. And so I've been lucky enough when I've done contingent searches that my mortgage wasn't relying on it and I didn't have to make those ethical choices. But I also know that there are people out there training other people. This is where the recruiters are used car salesmen Mm -hmm. um, come into play. often is around this type of search. And the problem is not necessarily the people. The problem is the way the business is set up. Absolutely. Both you and I do not do contingent search at this point in our careers. Mm -mm. No, because, and also you get burned. Mm -hmm. I've taken on Mm -hmm. exclusive contingent searches and then worked really hard on them, built a great pipeline. And then the company decides to go in a different direction, not hire that job and I get nothing. And so for me, I'm not working for free. Sorry. Or perhaps their business changes and they decide they need to do a layoff instead of some hiring. Right. And I've been there too, and it's not fun. Mm -mm. So I think both of us have had experiences in the past that have helped us to choose to work in a different way. For sure. A hundred percent. All right. One other thing, we said that the retained people really are going to know the job. They're going to know the industry. They're going to know what they're talking about. Contingent, maybe not. Or maybe, depending on, because I worked with some excellent, excellent people when I first got into the industry, which is probably why I stayed in the industry. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's a better chance that a contingent Mm -hmm. recruiter is not going to know as much about an organization and how it works. than a retained search person or an in-house person or an RPO, which is what we're going to talk about next. Yes. Okay. So RPO stands for Recruiting Process Organization. And they're an hourly agency like you, Liz, right? Yes. You'll start with a client and Mm -hmm. have a certain amount of hours and have Mm -hmm. an agreement that you you earn a certain amount per Mm -hmm. hour. Yes. 
my agency is my people and I are all hourly. So we get asked to do things and we all get paid hourly and it's a beautiful thing. An RPO can be paid hourly and it can Mm -hmm. also be like an outsourced recruiting function, like completely outsourced Mm -hmm. and on their own. And it can be on a retainer. Like we pay you $10,000 a month to do our recruiting stuff or it can be hourly just depending. Mm -hmm. And so how close or far they are from the actual work really depends on the relationship. So someone like me, I'm acting as an internal resource. Like my team, we all have email addresses at the client and we are like we are an internal resource. An RPO may not be like that or they may be, it just depends. But I think what we're talking about here is basically hourly recruiters that act like an internal recruiting team, either to augment the true internal team or in place of like when it's a startup or a company that's not big enough for a full-time recruiting team. The great thing about hourly outside help is that companies can dial it up quickly, but they're still focused on quality, whether or not the candidate is a good fit. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times we see really good candidates that may just not be a good fit for the right position. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, I mean, not to be like in sales mode because I'm not, but the good thing about this model is that they're not looking for a quick turnover. They're looking for long-term engagement. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, one of my clients, I was with them for five and a half years before they got bought and then it was too big. So I pieced out, but you know, other clients I've been with for two years, like Mm -hmm. it's a long-term relationship Mm -hmm. because it doesn't behoove either the company or the recruiting company to want to do a lot of turnover because then you have, it messes with your process. So Mm -hmm. this is as close to an internal Mm-hmm. resources you're going to get unless it's an internal person. Mm-hmm. Most of my career in recruiting was a contract recruiter, which is another, mm-hmm. I think contract would fall underneath this. I was paid hourly. Mm-hmm. In most cases, I had an email from the client, mm-hmm. except for my last client that I've been working with for 10 years and still mm-hmm. do searches for them occasionally and yeah. don't have an internal email with them. So the last type of recruiter is the internal recruiter. These are the folks that work for the company as either full-time employees or full-time contractors. They generally have a desk or certainly are set up to virtually function as a part of the internal team. They will sit in on team meetings. They will manage the process with the hiring managers. Even if they're they're not full-time employees, they function as if they are. Mm-hmm. In fact, in many cases, they function better than the full-time people because they're probably paid more hourly mm-hmm. and they are expected to produce. Right. Or they go away. They're usually assigned a number of openings and they do a combination of sourcing and screening and leading candidates across the whole internal process. These recruiters hold responsibility for employer branding and candidate experience and all of those type of things. Mm-hmm. And there is for sure overlap with the hourly model we were just talking about and this model, that's the whole point, right? Is that you're outside, but you're paid to look like you're inside. And there's also full-time inside contract recruiters Mm -hmm. that technically aren't paid, you know, a W-2, but it doesn't matter. They're full-time internal in with the hiring managers. It's just because of the nature of recruiting being so cyclical, having too many full-time doesn't always make sense. 
you had a role as an internal recruiter, as an internal contract recruiter that you were there for nine years, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And most of mine were at least two years. Yeah. So, you know, you're part of, you're part of the team. You're for sure part of the team and nobody really knows the difference. So it right. doesn't matter. And like, but I think the thing about these folks is that they are on the inside. Mm-hmm. They know everything about the benefits. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're on them. You know, they know about the culture for sure. Cause they're living it every day. Mm-hmm. They can answer more questions than any of the outsiders cause they're inside. So they're measured in different ways. Like their performance is measured in different ways. Some are around hires and calls and every mm-hmm. company does it differently. When I'm looking at a recruiting team, my question is, are their hiring managers happy? Because if their hiring manager is happy, then if I'm a leader, they're not coming to me complaining. So they're mm-hmm. doing a great job. So, but these are the folks, I I don't want to be generalistic, but I will be. They care the most, right? They want their company to grow. They want their company to be great. Mm -hmm. And they want it with people that are true to culture and things like that. So they're, they just have a little more skin in the game Mm -hmm. in a different way because it's a long-term relationship. They're going to have to see you in the hall Mm kind of thing or see you at meetings. I mean, if you look at it this way, if they're working inside the company, they have a really good sense of what the company culture is. Mm-hmm. And when you know what that is as being a part of the team, it's so much easier to, mm-hmm. to recruit. When you know who the hiring manager is and are working with them on a daily, weekly basis, mm-hmm. you know, you get to know who they are. You get to know what's important to them. You get to know if they're quirky, right? You know if they have a sense of humor. Right. And those internal recruiters, if they're good, they're going to kind of give you some extra information along the way mm-hmm. to help you to be successful in the interview process, right? So right. the internal people are the people that should be able to answer most of the questions that you have. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is they probably will be working with you, especially if you're a manager. Mm-hmm. It's like, right. how many times have I hired my own mm-hmm. hiring manager? Like, mm-hmm. I better like them. Yeah. It's about <laughs> <Right>. me. <laughs> so, so Kat, how do you know who's who? Well, Liz, <laughs> yes. I think the best thing to do is to ask. Mm-hmm. I think you're so right. And people are like, so who do you work for? Like, I get that a mm-hmm. lot. And I love it because they're mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out where I'm coming from. Am mm-hmm. I authentic? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I'll tell them, you know, I'm technically an outside recruiter, but I'm also Liz at Palumi.com and I've been working with it for two years. So and leading all their searches for that whole period of time. So you decide if I'm inside or outside. Mm-hmm. But I think it's good to know if they say, oh, I, you know, and you can say, are you contingent? Are you internal? And they'll mm-hmm. answer that. And mm-hmm. they should be honest about it. You can also Google the company name if they don't have an email that matches the company and mm-hmm. figure it out for yourself. But it's good to know if you can fully trust everything that they're saying. And if they know. Yeah. You don't want to go through a job interview process without knowing who your main contact is. Mm -hmm. So it's perfectly okay to say, tell me a little bit about your role. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, asking that question will, will help you to get a sense of who you're dealing with. Right. Right. Because chances are, if you're dealing with an external recruiter, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on the relationship, if it's a very strong relationship, mm-hmm. you may not really deal with an internal recruiter. 
But if it's maybe not as strong of a relationship, chances are you're going to talk to the external recruiter. And then the next step is going to be the internal recruiter. Mm -hmm. So just kind of knowing who you're dealing with is really smart because ultimately, just as we tell you that you're the CEO (laughs) of your own career, you know, you're the driver in your search. You are the driver in your job search. So Mm -hmm. you want to ask good questions. You want to listen to the answers. And you want to ask questions about the work and culture to numerous people and compare the answers. Mm -hmm. That said, it is important to know who the recruiter is and who they represent in order to evaluate what they're saying. And I'm going to give you a little like tip that maybe sounds a little negative, Nelly, but like if they're pushing the job down your throat, be aware. Mm Mm-hmm. I had a conversation last week with uh, a week or two ago with my niece who is mm-hmm. uh, who's in a job search right now. Uh, you know, had a conversation with one of the larger technical agencies in the Bay Area, and you know, she asked me for some input. And she, you know, she told she said, "I'm really confused. I'm not sure what to do." You know, she told me what she was looking for. She talked a little bit about the process. She talked a little bit about how the external recruiter was not listening to her and was really pushing the job on her. And this this is for a company that's a large company. It's a large financial service company that's mm-hmm. had some issues with integrity in the past. Hmm. And I know that that's important. Integrity is very, very important to my niece. Mm-hmm. So I just reflected back to her and I said, you know what, sweetheart? It sounds to me like you know what the right move is for you here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the next conversation she had with them, she pulled herself out of the process mm. because the recruiter was clearly working on commission, right? It was more important for them to fill the position as opposed to filling the position with the right person. Well, and I would have encouraged her, I'm sure you did this, but like ask someone beside the recruiter. Mm -hmm. Ask someone who's in the job or in the group or, you know, works around the group what their experience is. Mm -hmm. Because in this case, when the recruiter's going, push, 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 oh, no, no, integrity's great there. Everything's great there. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, there's roses coming from the ceilings. It's wonderful. You know, then they lose their credibility, which doesn't mean it's a terrible job. It means they're desperate for you to fill it Mm -hmm. so that they can get paid that much. And this was actually for a long-term contract. I think it was for a year or two contract. And they actually wanted her to accept the position without a conversation with the hiring manager. Adios amigos. Mm-hmm. And that's what I said. I said, I, I don't know how smart that is. Mm-mm. If you're going to make that kind of commitment, you probably want to make sure that this is someone that you gel with. <laughs> yeah. Right? They should want to make sure you're someone they gel with. I know. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So definitely... Have your spidey sense. Mm-hmm. I like to assume people are good people unless they presume otherwise. But if my spidey sense is going off, and if I know, oh, if I take this role, they're going to make $30,000. And if I don't, they're going to make bupkis. Mm-hmm. That's a data point for me to know in terms of them pushing me to the job. I'm going to get my data about the job probably from the interview process and from others. Or if it's someone internal who's giving me pros and cons and this is what I like, this is what I don't like, and you know, we're working on this. We don't have a 401k yet, but we might. I'm like, okay, they're giving me the real deal. Mm-hmm. That's a real data point for me. So I think that it's really important to remember whose life is changing and whose isn't. 
mm-hmm. and that you're in charge of your career. We cannot say that enough. And if you ever feel pushed into a role, Ugh. that's time to step back, take a couple breaths and really evaluate the situation because you want to go into any kind of role that you take being excited and pushing yourself into it yeah. as opposed to being pushed. So, you know, that could be a whole other episode, but <laughs> sure we're could. just going to stick to the basics here. Cool. So there are a lot of other players on the recruiting team besides the initial person you may be talking to. There are managers, there are leads, there are coordinators who do a lot of the admin work and may do all the scheduling for you. Uh, There may be a sourcer who is responsible for finding the candidates and handing them over to the recruiter who kind of shepherds in the process and verifies fit and make sure it's a good fit and then make sure that the candidate has a good experience. Mm-hmm. Usually there's all kind of technical people and employment branding people making the company look good and diversity specialists who help to, their sole role is to make sure that the teams are building uh, diverse teams. So most large companies have a diversity person. Mm-hmm. on, on their staff. So, so that person may be out there going to conferences, doing a lot of outreach and maybe referring candidates uh, into the system. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just know that there are lots of people behind the scenes that you may not be speaking with at all in the process. Mm-hmm. Or you may be passed off. Like the way mm-hmm. my company works is I have my sourcing team and they do their magic and mm-hmm. then they present them to my recruiters. And so candidates never talk to the sourcers, even though that's the first person that contacted them. They may get something from David, but they never speak to David. They speak Uh to Pam and then they speak to the hiring manager. So know that there are multiple people with multiple roles. It doesn't mean you're getting the runaround. It just means you're going through the process. Generally, there will be that lead recruiter that is your point of contact throughout the recruiting process where they do your first screen. They're the person you check in with. They're the person who introduces you to the hiring manager, but there may be a coordinator that does all your scheduling. Mm -hmm. But usually that lead recruiter, whether they're inside or outside, they're checking in with you to see how things are going. And they're always happy usually for you to check in with them Mm -hmm. if you haven't heard from them. Remember, we've said this before, recruiters can have 50 to 100 people on their desk at any given time. It's okay to check in. (laughs) And it's really important to check in, especially if your job search is heating up and Mm -hmm. You know, between the last time that you spoke with them and this week, you've had two interviews and one of them is going on to a third interview stage. It's really important to reach out to your contact, Mm -hmm. who your recruiting contact to let them know and update them on the status. Because if you're going into a third interview, that means that you potentially have an offer that's going to be coming across to you. And you want to, especially if it's an opportunity, if the other opportunity is an opportunity that you're interested in, you want to loop back with the recruiter from that other opportunity and make sure to let them know that your search has accelerated and you're probably going to be getting an offer from another company. But, you know, if you are interested in this company, you want to, you want to use this opportunity to express that you are still very, very interested in this Mm -hmm. opportunity and you would really love to go all the way with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If this is your top choice, but you're good, but somebody else is going faster, tell the top choice that someone else is going faster. The worst is when like, you think that they're great. Everything's going well. And I was like, oh, I got an offer and I took it. Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't know I was up against an offer. Mm -hmm. And you said you didn't want to talk until, you know, Thursday. I can't get you, you know, I can't get you an offer that fast. I love it when a candidate at the very beginning tells me like, I'm going, I'm expecting an offer. So if this is going to move, it better move quickly. Mm -hmm. All right. We either, we can, or we can't, but at least I know I'm up against the clock. And with that information, an internal recruiter is usually able to make something happen. If it's, Mm -hmm. if it's at all possible, if it's possible. So the, the important thing here is to remember that you, the candidate are in charge of your job search and Mm -hmm. it's important to communicate when things change. Absolutely. So when you know who you're talking to, you can be more informed. You can make better decisions for you. Good luck. And you know, if you have any questions, you can always call your friends, Liz and Kat over here at Real Job Talk, and we're happy to help you through it. Good luck out there. Thanks for listening. This is Real Job Talk, a podcast about jobs, careers, and what's not said at the water cooler. Our website with all Real Job Talk related information is realjobtalk.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us your questions, topics you'd like to talk about, and Real Job Talk stories. And you may find them featured on a future episode. Use the website or email us at realjobtalk at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Real Job Talk. And on Instagram and Facebook at Real Job Talk Show. My name is Kat Troyer. You can find me on Twitter at Daily Cat, And on LinkedIn, you can find me via Kathleen Nelson Troyer. And I'm Liz Bronson. On Twitter, I'm at Liz Beaks and Salt. And on LinkedIn, I'm Liz Bronson. Real Job Talk is a tech reckoning production. Our producer is John Mark Troyer. Our graphic artists are Lexi and Zachary Bronson. And we're here by the water cooler waiting to talk with you. <laughs>